shining a beacon on the bazaar. Tell you what, bloody hell, Arkin. We've been struggling a bit with the gremlins at Kraken Cove, haven't we? You know. It has, mate. They're like getting into episodes and stuff, cheeky little yeah, devils. Good sods. news, though, Arkin. Oh. Good news. What's that? I, I, I got most of them in a net and I, I smacked them against Lighthouse Wall till they were all dead, but <laughs> I, brought, I, I brought you the last one. What, look the, at him. The last gremlin? Oh. Look, look, there he is. Oh, he's That's in Mogwai form, of course, but don't be letting fool you. Look oh, how cute he is! He is that super little cute. bastard does all the damage. Oh, is he, is he starting to sing? Oh, oh it's beautiful. There's yeah. the gun, there's your Luger Arkin. Now just oh. finish the job. Oh, well, I've really got to shoot it then, yeah? Yep, shoot it in its furry little face. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, go on then. <laughs> oh! Oh, 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 I didn't think about the brim. Oh, it's all over the wall. Oh, well, it's done now, isn't it? Sling it in sea yeah. and let's go on with Cracking Cove. Aye. Because <laughs> this is the podcast that shines a beacon onto the bazaar. I'm Matt. And I'm Benny. And we're going to do a bit of casting for you, but let's have a little bit of music. <laughs> Look, you see, it's uh, it's quite a good thing that the gremlins on Kraken Cove are actually wiped out now. They're extinct, aren't they? Well, that's a good yes. thing about it. Yeah, that's a good thing. But there's, there's something else about extinct animals for you. So I'm going to cast out... We're doing a double a double strange cast, in a way. Ooh. We cast it into the past and up into space. <laughs> double yeah. casting. Both hands. I love it. Now, John Woo style <laughs> Try and get your head around this, then, right? The headline is... Dinosaur remains are likely to be found on the moon, scientists oh. claim. Right? Fuck, that's impossible. Oh, unless. I don't believe in that moon coming off of the earth, but go on, I like this. Yeah, go on. This is brilliant. So it says this is by Joshua Smith, right? And it's for the, it's for the Daily Star, which is a bit. Oh, come on, mate. But, you know, <laughs> fair, fair play. We'll it give says, him a go. Give him a go. Dinosaurs appear to have beaten humans to the moon by a few million years. And their remains could even be on Mars, experts have said. Right. So, the animals which inhabited our planet are likely to have travelled to outer space on the debris caused by the asteroid that wiped them out. So they wouldn't have been alive when they made it into Earth's orbit, right? Because, so can you imagine that? So what happened was, this massive meteor came down, hit the Earth, which I think it's the Gulf of Mexico, that's what the asteroid, that's where it hit and made yeah. the Gulf of Mexico. But it ejected so much shit <laughs> off of Earth, right, with the impact of it, that it's flown into space and hit the moon. What, <laughs> <laughs> Diplodocus has shot up with the impact and gone tear-assing through space and hit the moon? Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> that shit! He's miles away, his moon, man. He ain't gonna, like, just eat him, is he? Like, you got like, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, it's gonna be like... Dinosaur remains, so technically, sort of like the, the material that made it. I don't want to know what what part of it would be left of. It probably uh, more like atoms of a dinosaur. Yeah, sort of so thing, it's like it? your dinosaur mist, just a big red mist. <laughs> it's just yeah. gonna go. <laughs> or even yeah, sort of like the charred remains or something like that. But I mean, there yeah. was so much stuff were kind of kicked up that it was sort of like that's what they reckon it could have been. Yeah, that that's pretty cool. I get that. So. Over 66 million years ago, an asteroid called, later called Chicxulub, right? Which is a, not hardly a catchy name, is it? And it collided with planet Earth and triggered earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, and tsunamis. So in the book, which is called Peter Brannan's The End of the World, Volcanic Apocalypses, Lethal Oceans, and Our Quest to Understand Earth's Past Mass Extinctions, that's what the book's called. And he wrote in that, says, a rock larger than Mount Everest hit planet Earth, travelling 20 times faster than a bullet. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's scary, isn't it? 
Yeah, that's. I mean, it, it, just the sight of something like that coming out of space and hitting sort of like uh, hitting Earth. I mean, can you imagine? Dinosaurs won't have had a clue though, will they? Won't have had a Scooby. They're, they're just <laughs> being having a fight and tussling around and doing the thing. You know what I mean? But <laughs> one's on back at other one, thinking I'm nearly at roundabout. I'm nearly yeah. at roundabout. <laughs> oh <laughs> shit! <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing the amount of stuff that did survive it though, you know, I mean, I had a, a catastrophic earthquake like that, a catastrophic uh, meteor strike like that, it's amazing the amount of things that did actually survive, I was looking at the, like the, the eras and uh, epochs, they call them, of different yeah. things, and I thought, well, you know, it was 66 million years ago that happened, right? So I wanted to look back and see what happened, what was kicking about on Earth 65 million years ago, so, so like a million years after the dinosaurs were all wiped out, tons of stuff wandering around. It's like sharks would be alright, they've been going forever, haven't they? They'd have just been like, you know, just normal and see, wouldn't they? Well, not just normal, I think a lot did get wiped out, and a lot of creatures yeah. did get wiped out in the sea, but certain sort of, a, a certain amount of creatures lived enough, or you survived, for them to carry on and sort of evolve and turn into other creatures. Same as on the other things like alligators and stuff like that, crocodiles, they've, they've stayed almost the same. And a turtly kind of creatures. They reckon like that's one of the things that sort of came to the fore quite quickly. Was like a, different types of tortoises, really big ones and really little ones, and predatory ones and things like this. Wow. So yeah, there was lots of different stuff. There was a lot of mammals. Just mammals went come. Obviously, the, the reptiles, the the dinosaurs were absolutely wiped out. And but these the mammals just took massive advantage and just turned into all sorts of little things. So you get ones that are sort of like. They look like giant horse-sized hyenas, and you Ugh. get things. Yeah, you get loads of stuff which can just sort of eat, eat particular types of foliage. They're just they're just diversifying, go mental. I mean, if, if we got wiped out now, if everything went completely batshit on the planet, if we caused a massive destruction of most of the yeah. wildlife in a million years' times from then. The Earth would just look completely different. It'd be full of loads of weird animals, but there'd be tons and tons of life about. That's the odd thing about it. But to be honest, I don't want to die out. Do you? Well, not not everyone. <laughs> I think we could do with a bit of a or saying that the the ultimate calls on at the moment, isn't it? Really? So. Yeah. Well, that's a bit bit a bit sinister. You know what I mean? I think we better be a bit, bit bit careful there. How how long would it night time for though? Because didn't it kick up a load of ash or something like that, and load of debris in in the uh, dust in the in the clouds, and it was like yeah. really dark for years. Cause yeah, it's it, 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 years and years and years and years. You know what I mean? It was like that. It was just absolutely shit, and everything oh. was absolutely knacked for ages. But it t- obviously took a long while to get back to normal. But that's where we are now. Wow. Survived. Come back. Imagine that though. In dark and horse-sized hyenas are after you. Fucking <laughs> ass and wow. I, I won't be taking a trip in a, in a time time machine anytime <laughs> soon. Yeah, let's not go there. will <laughs> go. <laughs> So you see, we don't we, we want to survive. You've got to be a bit careful to survive, don't you? you know, you've got to take certain precautions to be a bit of a survivor, don't you? Yeah. And one yeah. of them, as a bloke, is you've got to check your balls. You know, you. Got <laughs> I check I check them frequently. <laughs> <laughs> Always juggling them. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently a lot of blokes don't know because they sort of see it as a little bit kind of uh, it's like a macho thing you know I, mean, I don't I don't mess with my balls I'm not that you know what I mean and and I think yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a bit of an issue in some places is this so some some what feeling your own balls is an issue to some apparently blokes apparently so but you see, there's, 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 a, there's a thing around it you see now so New New Zealand launches a balls checking booth for testicular cancer right. <laughs> Whoa, it's like some glory hole for your nappies or something. Well, it's kind of a reverse glory hole. Because what this thing is, it's like a booth which you can go into. Yeah. And there's like these two handles on the walls that look like you're like a, like a disabled toilet sort of thing, right? Yeah, so you kind yeah. of have to grip this. So you get your nudges out. And then this yeah. gloved hand comes through the wall, right, and has a bit of a rummage with your knackers for you. <laughs> <laughs> that is, is it human hand? What is it? Is it some fucking computer gripping? Well, let's it? have a look at the story, and this is the BBC News story, is this one. So it says, ever thought of getting a health check but worried about having to, you know, drop your pants? Well, meet the testimatic. <laughs> right? <laughs> 
So that's a booth to allow New Zealand men to have their testicles checked without having to face a doctor. Now, testicular cancer is the number one cancer in young men in Western nations, and the booth is being rolled out with fanfare at a big expo in Auckland. So how does it work? So uh, into the, you go into the booth, you go down with the pants, and a doctor will check you anonymously through a little hole. Now the, the booth is set up at this weekend's Big, big Boys Toys Expo, and a huge exhibition catering to all things that men stereotypically are supposed to be into. So like ga gadgets, action sports, barbecue and construction machinery, all this sort of stuff, right? So they're targeting yeah. these macho kind of guys who don't want to check the knackers and think it's a bit sort of humiliating. But then again, if you're going to know booth to have somebody else fondly in hackers, then it's a bit... <laughs> <laughs> That's right, it's going against the point to me, is it? I don't get it. You're instead of doing it yourself, you're asking a dude to do it, or a doctor to do it. It's like... I suppose it might be... It might be a, I'll do it myself, I'm a doctor. Check might, be a, might, be a, might be a lady doctor, I suppose. Maybe a lady doctor. But then again, exactly. that makes it creepy, doesn't it? Say, no, it's all okay, right, love it. It's just, the, the whole thing seems a bit wrong to me, really. I think I think it's a good idea just to sort of like, just to, just to sort yourself out, really. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what they're hoping is that people popped into this booth. So like, if you muster up your courage to do it, you know, uh, it says what happens is not some fancy high-tech screening process. Instead, there's a good old urologist sitting in the booth who, through a hole, will have a little feel of your balls. <laughs> but I think, you know, you've got to be careful. Testicular cancer. I mean, you don't want any of that sort of stuff going on, do you? you no, know? you've got to check them, you know what I mean? But like you say, you do what you say, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, go to clinic, go to your, go to that weird glory old thing if it makes you feel better. But, yeah, check them, Jesus Christ. Yeah, but my issue is as well about sort of checking your knackers is that you've got to check your knackers for lumps. But basically, it's just like a bag of lumps, isn't it? <laughs> That's what it's like. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've done that. I found a vein. Oh, don't make it. It, it makes me, does make me feel a bit sick and a bit queasy. Just having a fondler. It is. It's oh, yeah. Especially <laughs> squeeze a bit harder. Some wowzers. No, oh, no. Oh no, no. Thing is, I'm I'm checking mine right now. Anyway, you know what I mean. I don't know what the problem. I, I'm, I'm gripping mine tightly. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if I had to go into one of them them booths, do you know what I'd wear? Come on. Just to give him a bit of a, you know, a bit of a treat in the day. I'd, I'd get one of them, uh, was it a ball ball from last week's episode? <laughs> get one of them puppies on, you know what I mean? Imagine they're, they're putting the little lamp through, like, what the what's this guy got? <laughs> <laughs> some, like, <laughs> some bulletproof armour on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think that's probably the best bet. You get yourself a boulder one, you know what I mean, and then pop into the uh, <laughs> pop into the testimatic and see what happens there. You know, <laughs> it could be quite good fun. That the, fu <laughs> the future's so cool, dude. <laughs> well, you, we're we're here by the seaside, aren't we? At the Kraken Cove. We're at the coast, aren't we? And oh, we've got we've got loads of little little friends in the water. We've got our dolphins and stuff like that. We've, become, we've got a bit of peace with dolphins and things now. Yeah, aren't we? yeah. Dolphins have chilled out as well. There, yeah, right? they've chilled out. You know, the issue we've got is like we haven't seen much of the seals recently, have we? That's a point. Yeah, we're yeah. well. The, I, know, I know where. The headline here from uh, from York, the York Press, is a seal discovered on riverbank after swimming fifty miles inland from the sea. What fifty or fifteen? Fifty. My it's, God! Is it been at Tadcaster? So <laughs> Tadcaster, yeah. Taddy. <laughs> been that Taddy. So seals <laughs> been spotted on a riverbank today after travelling fifty miles inland from the sea. But it was a pup. So the little oh. pup, little pup's got a bit bit lost, and he's thinking, "Oh no, where, where's my mum?" And he's swum it wrong direction. He's gone all the way up up river, hasn't he? <laughs> oh no. Some so, Canadian eating fish and chips looking at it like, oh, if I had a fucking club now, what would do you? So <laughs> oh, man. The adventurous pup was spotted in Tadcaster and according to a tag on its flipper, had swum across county lines all the way from Hull. It's thought to have started at the Humber Estuary before joining the River Ouse and finally, the River Wharf. So he's oh, got, wow. got up into the Wharf. So it's highly unusual for a seal to travel such distances and most spend their entire lives within the same five mile radius. Oh, that's interesting. I never knew. Yeah. I thought they were all over the shop. Yeah. So it's a, a seal rescue centre uh, has been informed about the incident and the pup is expected to be picked up later today. The public have been urged to keep their distance from the animal, which is thought to be a common seal and not to approach it. Yeah. A Tadcaster doggy daycare centre called River Dogs has offered its facilities and expertise to help handle the seal. 
and a spokesman said, it's not the kind of pup we're used to handling. <laughs> so a little, little lost pup up there, he's obviously... Been what's with river dogs? I don't get that. Do they chuck all dogs in river or something? Is that what they do? Oh, I don't know. Instead of going for walk? Yeah, yeah they didn't make them just, just chuck them all in water. Go on, <laughs> get out of there. Weird, <laughs> yeah. I wonder why they've stepped forward and thought, so said, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sort stuff out. Maybe they're just on the river, they might, well, like, might have... Because we tadcast the river flows right through the centre of town, doesn't it? So yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe it's just right on the river there, you know, that's what it might be. Yeah. But the other thing that's at, uh, at Tadcaster, there's a lot of breweries, isn't there? Oh, aye, yeah, yeah. So that's what it might be after. It might be after a few cheeky pints, might it? <laughs> <laughs> after some boozy. <laughs> Tell you what, though, we'd like uh, sea lions and seals and all that sort of stuff. I'd, I'd prefer to get mauled by a Rottweiler than go anywhere near their fucking mouths, man. They look really dangerous to me. They do, you know really, I mean? yeah. yeah. Have you, have you seen the size of a leopard seal's head? I know, it's gross, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely terrifying, is that thing? Just massive, it's so dangerous, things like that. Yeah, isn't well. it? That's what I mean, there's no cute about seals, man. You know, I love to see them, you know what I mean? I don't want to be in the sea with them, no, 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 no. No, 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 just t- tear lumps off you, won't they? You know what I mean? Mm, it's got, yeah. got, to be, get, got to be careful. But even even when they're on the beach, the big, big ones on the beach, look at that, they scare shit out of me to those things. Yeah, you know? yeah. Stinking all, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, like, waking up, hung over, and you're on the beach, and there's just millions of them. Round you somewhere, oh, just like God. no. You just have to pretend to be one, will not you? You have to get your feet close together and so sort of <laughs> 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 roll around in that. You might be doing some mating call or something. Oh no! So like beach masters on you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I've got to take it. Got to <laughs> Just bat his eyes and hope it finish it off quick. Yeah. A reach round? Oh, no. Got <laughs> reach round from a seal. Fucking hell. <laughs> Flapping big flippers on you. Big flipper wanking him off with a flipper. <laughs> <laughs> he's the best you've ever had like, oh yeah usually that's, that's it fantastic fantastic <laughs> 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 into the sea now I think we'll, we'll stay in the sea which is exactly where that um, that seal should be it should be in the sea rather than in the river you know? yeah. I've, got a, I've got a cracking little headline for you here now and this is from um, James Felton for IFL Science and it says man joins navy to prove the earth is flat quickly finds out it isn't <laughs> 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 Good. I hope he's in for ten years. What a div. <laughs> White Navy though. Why do you, REF is a bit better in it? How couldn't he get in there? Well, I don't know because I, I think there's a lot of the- theories like they say when you're on you're on the sea and you go to sea and you think to yourself, look, obviously I'll be able to see land or whatever. I don't know what what yeah. he's thinking was really. But let's have a little find out. Let's have a read of the story. So they say, look, we all get into weird stuff when we're young and impressionable. For some people, it's enjoying the questionable music of boy bands. For others, it's eating Tide Pods. You know, there was that little thing, wasn't there? like a craze for eating these sort of like um, detergent tablets. Were there? Yeah, it's, it was one of those stupid things. Because they've got like a plastic skin on them. Yeah. And inside, it's like a fluid. And so what huh. people were doing, they're just enjoying biting them till they burst. And this, all this detergent went everywhere. And of course, it poisoning people and all sorts. It was just, just stupid, you know? Wow. <laughs> The same, but for some who are old enough to know better, it's getting sucked in by conspiracy theories such as the Earth isn't round and NASA is hiding the fact from uh, for games that is yet unclear because that's what they're claiming. People flat Earthers think it's NASA that's keeping it quiet. It's their big secret, you know. <laughs> so, but some people do grow out of their beliefs and are comfortable in saying so. So, in a thread on Reddit, former flat Earthers and the people that know them have been letting others know what, what it was that finally made them realise they were standing on a globe and not a pancake. So, uh, this guy says, I have an acquaintance I met in the Navy who joined specifically so he could see the Earth was flat while at sea. This guy's got a great name, he's called Trungus McTrungus, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is his story real? Trungus McTrungus? Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's his Reddit sort of title, isn't it? You know, ah, right, sort of yeah, weird, yeah, weird Reddit bad. name, you know. So, uh, and Trungus McTrungus says, every day he would chart the ship's location, speed, heading, and all that sort of stuff, right? And a few times a day, he could so he could make a map of their path. And ultimately, 
He realised that the path was taken would be impossible if the Earth was flat, based on the distance they were travelling versus their speed. So the man apparently became suspicious that the Earth was actually round, but before he could take any steps taken by scientists centuries ago and figure it out for himself, his leading petty officer pointed out the curvature by giving him binoculars and explaining that if the Earth was flat, he should be able to see the land they were making for. Right? Which is absolutely obvious, right? Yeah. And he couldn't see anything off the horizon. And after that, he was convinced. Oh my god. I mean, what is it with people? You know, you, you just think, it's obvious. Surely it's obvious that the Earth, you know. Like with science, not rest of it, it's all there and it's all been debunked before. But I love how easily you've got, you know, this mad belief he's joined the Navy to, you know, to, to prove it. And then he said, all it takes is a pair of binoculars yeah. and saying, look, there's no land there. Like, oh, you, you know, you think he'd, he'd stick to his guns a bit more and say, oh, well, if it were, you know, this, that, and other, you know, conspiracy, it would be, you know what I mean? He'd just give up straight away. Yeah, of course he would, you know. So, well, this one, one, one of the uh, people who were talking about what well, their belief system as well says, I saw a video of an experiment where one group flew a hel- helicopter far out over the ocean, and another group watched it with, powerful, with a powerful telescope as it slowly lowered to the horizon. And it disappeared behind the horizon while the helicopter was still a considerable distance from the ground. And that ended that phase for me for good. So these people, I think what it is, they just jump into, they believe whatever they're told on the internet, on Twitter, or YouTube, whatever, they just believe it. They see a video, um, same as like the anti-vaxxers at the moment and stuff like this, and people who, you know, the anti-maskers and everything, they see something on there that confirms what their bias is, you know, because they don't want to wear a mask. They don't think they're going to catch a disease, so that's their bias. And Mm. I also think there must be a bit of fear about for some people about living on a globe because I wonder what what's the benefit of thinking the earth's flat what what's yeah. the what, what do they have to gain from that you but know they're special in it there you know it's more to it than you just like a little blip in history just a little animal screen around the globe yeah you're more magical aren't you it's more um, maybe so yeah that's nice. a good point you know maybe, maybe maybe that's what people think you know if anyone is a flat earther out there though please contact us with your beliefs and tell us why you're so insane <laughs> <laughs> so the email's at crackandcovepodcast at gmail.com and at twitter we're at crackandcove uh, and on instagram we're crackandcovepod so yeah just get in touch tell us why you believe the earth's flat and give us some evidence if you can because we're not convinced are we we're not all and like you say just explain yourselves explain yourself Something arcid. We're not leaving the sea just yet. Ooh, we're, st- we're staying good. in. The, yeah, we're staying in the sort of like the, the watery depths for a while because I've got something that which absolutely freaked me out here. And this is a story by Caroline Delbert for Popular Mechanics, and it says animals keep evolving into crabs, which is somewhat disturbing. Right? Wow. I've heard something about this with crabs before, but go on. Yeah. So we know the long quarantine might be making us all crabby. But this is extreme. People now feel fully betrayed by the long history of crabification, or which is technically called carcinization, or or carcinization, so of different species over time. So that means groups of crustaceans have evolved into crabs in five completely different contexts, giving rise to a meme that the long arc of history truly bends towards the crab. So. Boing Boing shares a 2017 paper about carcinization. Carcinization, it sounds like something about prism at first look, but on a second look you'll see it shares a root with carcinogen as well as cancer itself, both from the Greek root carcinos, meaning crab. So Borrowdale coined the new word based on the established scientific usage, right? So let's see how this happens. So animals that live in similar habitats face obstacles that can shuttle them all towards the same evolutionary advantages, right? So, um, 
some Britannica, you know, uh, the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, it cites mm-hmm. that marsupials is a key example. So, for example, with the marsupials, you'll find that they, um, they've, they've all had like parallel evolution. So there's, there's been like a, a marsupial lion, been a marsupial tiger, marsupial wolves. There have been various creatures which look very similar to m- other mammals, which have sort of evolved in, in different ways. Yeah. But the mammal, but the marsupials have done their own version of it. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's so fi- kangaroo, can it pouches out the marsupials or whatever. Well, there is, but if you think about, it, there is certain sort of like uh, I think it's called uh, I can't remember what it is, but there is like hopping rodents, isn't there? You know what I mean? <laughs> so there is rodents that do the same sort of thing. They're finding is finding their own way to get around. And yeah. there's lots of different creatures now. For example, like the elephant shrew, um, isn't actually a, a, a sh- related to the shrew at all. It is most closely related to the elephant, weirdly enough, because it's wow. got this long nose. Its genetic lineage is from the same ancestors as elephants, but, but they've sort of they've evolved to sort of, sort of fit into like a, a particular kind of path. And this is what other creatures have been doing here. They've been sort of like going in and finding the find that the actual sort of crab-like structure fits loads of different ways. You know, so other creatures are sort of like eventually evolving and think, well, what we need, we need something to protect ourselves with. So they'll sort of like, oh, well, we need a hard shell. And they'll evolve a hard shell. And they'll also say, well, I need something that I can fight with. Oh, I know, big pincers on the front, that'll do it. Yeah. And they just find it's like a really great way for it to actually sort of like just to, to create a become a crab that's the thing so mainly in the sea attack rather than the land um and well well no I, 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 mm, I don't know actually i'm not too sure Maybe, i can't think off. of any land crabs or anything landish that's like um crab farmers you can't think of them. yeah i, th- I think it, to be honest i think it's well the, 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 you do have land crabs you, you yeah. Have the, yeah you have the coconut <laughs> crab that's a uh, that's a ground dwelling sort of crustacean but i think the thing is what happens with all crabs all crabs have to sort of like give birth into the sea that's the problem that they have so even if they're not they can no longer survive in the sea they still have to go and spawn in the sea which is sometimes is a real danger to them it's yeah. so they'll go in and they'll they'll spawn chuck all their eggs in there and then they'll just drown by accident <laughs> <laughs> but they do have to spawn in, in water so I think that's what it is it's, it's probably something that starts off in the sea and, yeah, yeah, and of course then with the evolution it just, just crawls out yeah because if you look Jeez. at the size of the coconut crab it's absolutely massive and can yeah. technically cut one of your like you cut your arm off at the wrist sort of thing which is so powerful <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but I mean I wonder if that's what's going to happen to us though you know what I mean we could we could eventually realise that you know we need we need sort of like some sort of strong Outer coat in, we might become might become like crabs, might we? Get yourself like crabs. (laughs) 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 I like to eat them. (laughs) (laughs) But then again, if you look at those creatures, your actual pubic lice, they do look like crabs. They've evolved to to look like that, so that could be one of the classifications of creatures that have evolved to become the crab. So there's loads of nasty stuff though, little tiny stuff that's crab-like, and that's why I've mainly seen it. You know what I mean? When you go down to really Small kind of stuff, you know. What I mean, they're very crab-like, aren't they? Yeah, that's it. So yeah. maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe more and more stuff. Eventually, what we'll find is going to be the kingdom of the crab, and there'll wow. be a giant king crab. Well, there is a giant king crab, isn't there? The king crab under the sea. It's absolutely massive. If you look at the size of that thing, it can be like three or four meters across. With yeah, massive. Bringing me nutcrackers and a slice of lemon, and we're oh, like, no. we all love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, again, that's another thing that we think, thank God they're delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And yellow's on the broom. When yellow's on the broom. When yellow's on the broom. And I'll get you on the broom. I think we should stay with the animal kingdom now. In a weird way. And I think we should, we should get back to land and everything. So I've got a sentence. This is from Wikipedia, is this one. And this is... Buffalo, buffalo, buffalo. Buffalo, 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 buffalo. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
The term Buffalo, 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 Buffalo is a grammatically correct sentence in English. That is a sentence. It's not just repeating one word. It's a sentence, right? And it's often presented as an example of how homonyms and homophones can be used to create complicated linguistic constructs through lexical ambiguity. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking what? <laughs> Fucking what? Okay. You're doing me any with this one? All going buffalo, buffalo, buffalo. Go on then, well, explain yourself. This, this, so this sentence employs three distinct meanings of the word buffalo, right? So Is first of all, well, oh there's the place Buffalo, New York. You see. All right. Yeah. Now and then you've got um, the uh, a verb, right? Is to buffalo, which means to bully, harass, or intimidate. Or to baffle. No, I've not not really before, but it's also a noun which refers to the animal. So basically, what we're trying to say here is the the, um, because he's saying the sentence so many times, it's I'll send the word so many times, right? So so it's saying it's to send a buffalo from buffalo, you know, so buffalo, buffalo, right? So it's it's saying a buffalo from buffalo harasses or intimidates a buffalo from buffalo. Right. Yeah. Who in turn is intimidating a buffalo from buffalo? Uh-huh. That's what it actually means. So I suppose technically you, you could keep going. So it's really yeah. sort of saying it's it's saying. Um, oh, yeah, you know, if there's a herd of them, doing buffalo for half an hour. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but no, but if you think about that, that, that's what that's the weird thing about it. But it does my head in because I've been looking at this and trying to get my head around it, right? Because yeah. it basically comes to the. The buffalo from Buffalo, who are buffaloed by Buffalo from Buffalo, Buffalo or the Buffalo, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from Buffalo. Jeez. That's what it's meaning. But now I've gone into like a Buffalo wormhole. All I can think uh-huh. is the word Buffalo. It doesn't mean anything to me anymore. It's just Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. And it's completely cooked it. So it's gone from having three or four mean or three meanings to the word Buffalo. Basically, it's having no meaning whatsoever to my head now because I've done yeah. this. I mean, it's, it's, that's it, I've ruined buffalo. I can't even look at the buffalo now and then know what it is. <laughs> it's funny with words, isn't it? When you properly say them a few times, they kind of really change and go weird, don't they? Yeah. They sound really odd to your own head. Well, that's, that's the thing, it becomes odd. really, really odd. That's exactly what it is. It's suddenly as if you, you you unravel the word by saying it too many times. Think about what the word means, and so it just becomes meaningless. So yeah, buffalo yeah. now is nothing to me. Never mind buffalo, buffalo, <laughs> buffalo, 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 buffalo. It just doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Have you ever had any buffalo cheese? Um, I've had buffalo mozzarella, yeah. All right, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, it is. It's really, really lovely. It's very creamy, very soft. I think you, you probably had it before. You've had mozzarella, haven't you? Yeah, I've had mozzarella. Where's that from buffaloes? That comes from buffalo. That's why it's called buffalo mozzarella, yeah. Oh my god, I never knew that. It's not Where a brand name. Yeah, alright. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll just say old, old cheese comes from cows and goats. I suppose you can get it everywhere, can't you? Well, the buffalo's just a big cow, innit? Yeah, very true. Very true. Yeah. wonder what its tits look like. Massive and airy. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they stink as well. <laughs> <laughs> So talking of cheese, funnily enough, we've got a headline here which is The Spellbinding History of Cheese and Witchcraft, right? Wow. <laughs> and this is a piece by uh, Tabitha Stanmore, who is a, an honorary research fellow of early modern studies for the Department of History at the University of Bristol. And this is a piece that was um, published in a, a website called The Conversation. So. So as I was scrolling through Twitter recently, a viral tweet caught my attention. It was an image from a book of spells claiming that you may fascinate a woman by giving her a piece of cheese. (laughs) 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 And the the spell comes from uh, Catherine uh, Catherine Paulson's 1971 book, The Complete Book of Magic and Witchcraft. And while proffering a lump of cheddar may seem like an unusual way to attract a possible mate, Paulson's book draws on a long history of magic and it's a history that has quite a lot of cheese in it right <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> witchy cheese now to be honest with me you could you could 
fascinate me immensely just by offering me cheese because I love cheese. It's my favourite. Ah, yeah, I love cheese. Yeah. If you had to give up one cheese or meat, which would you could you give up? I'd probably go for the meat, to be honest with you. I love yeah. meat, but see, sometimes I just get a bit bored with meat, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, like, yeah. it's really overrated, is meat, actually, I think. It is. I don't know, I was eating, it was like, tuck, you know, tuck crackers. Oh, yeah, them? yeah, yeah. I had them, uh, lure pack on it, um, oh, some okay. really quite um, bittery kind of cheddar, and I, I chopped up some pickled onions and put them on top. My God, it was a t- taste sensation. <laughs> You know, like a steak don't do that for me, you know what I mean? It's nice. Look at you, Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to get all fancy on your ass and that, you know what I mean? I you cla- are so classy. fancy. <laughs> Real classy. Fucking <laughs> pickled <laughs> onion. I could just, just see you doing it as well, making sort of construction. <laughs> I was leaning in dinner suit at the time, you know. <laughs> Bone <laughs> apple tea. <laughs> <laughs> so it says here uh, it's not entirely clear why cheese is seen to have magical properties it might be to do with the fact that it's made from milk a powerful substance in itself with the ability to give life and strength to the young it might also be because the process by which cheese is made is a little bit magical so the 12th century mystic Hildegard von Bingen compared cheese making to the miracle of life in the way that it forms curds something insubstantial so it becomes it turns from being a liquid just with the addition yeah. of something it, it turns into a solid which is pretty weird actually it's almost yeah, like al- yeah. it's like alchemy isn't it you know yeah yeah true like that. so in the early modern period which is 1450 to 1750 the creation of the universe was also thought to be in some terms of cheese making so it was always chaos that is earth air water and fire were mixed together and out of that bulk a mass formed, just as cheese is made out of milk, and worms appeared in it, and these were the angels. <laughs> wow, the worms were angels. I thought you were going to start talking about the moon or something, then it was like this massive form were building. Yeah, it's just, just cheese. You know, and I suppose as well, people think the moon's made of cheese, don't they? It's got that sort of thing. I love it. that. Yeah, I do as well, yeah. <laughs> So cheese magic stretches back before Hildegard and the medieval period. So the second century diviner Artemidorus mentioned tyromancy, which is cheese divination, as a method of discovering the future of his in his treatise Oh god, look at this one. In his treatise Oneo O Critica. Right? This I can hardly say this word. <laughs> but Ironically, given our later association of cheese with vivid dreams, Artemidorus claims the cheese fortune telling is amongst the most unreliable. Which I mean, that's not that's not news to me. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Cheese fortune telling. All all, all I ever say: if you've seen some cheese, if you're reading the cheese, and you're going to eat it, it's just you're going to have a delicious time. That's all it is. You know. But that didn't stop later generations from interpreting cheese dreams, though. So the interpretation of dreams, a 17th century English manual, advised that to dream of cakes without cheese is good. Those which have both signify deceit and treason by a Welshman. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Straight in, having a go at the Welsh. That's a bit (laughs) outside, isn't it? really quickly yeah so that's unusual advice for the lovelorn so Catherine Paulson's book The Complete Book of Magic and Witchcraft so one of the most common uses for magic cheese in the medieval and early modern periods was to identify thieves and murderers the method could be quite simple first bless the cheese with a prayer so for example what you might say is may his mouth be cursed and full of bitterness under his tongue pain and labour if he is guilty he will eat in the name of the devil if he is not he will eat in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and then you feed a small piece of cheese to your suspects and the culprit will be unable to swallow their piece of cheese thus admitting their guilt so that's it it's just trying to say well, I mean I can get away with murder because I'll eat cheese until bloody cows come on <laughs> yeah so even if you're not a thief, you should be wary around cheese when there's a witch in the room. So in the Odyssey, like Homer's Odyssey, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
The sorceress, Circa, turns Odysseus's companions into animals by feeding them a magic potion mixed into a drink made of cheese, barley meal, honey and wine. Which I think sounds gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got to say, wow, that's some smoothie, isn't it? That, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that's probably what it is, some sort of early smoothie, yeah. <laughs> and the 4th century Christian theologian, St. Augustine of Hippo, agreed such things might be possible, though unlikely. And William of Malmesbury seems convinced that enchanted cheese was a genuine risk, though, and in his, 20, in his 12th century writings, William explained that female Italian innkeepers were especially prone to using enchanted cheese to turn their customers into beasts of burden. So, so that's like zombie cheese, isn't it? Oh, man, that's terrible. You'd be just sucking in straight away, wouldn't you? Just like, here you go. Exactly. <laughs> nibble, nibble. <laughs> so malevolent witches were also thought to meddle with milk and cheese. In fact, spoiling milk was one of the most common curses associated with witches in early modern Europe. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that as well, yeah. Around 1650, the dairy maid, Isabel Maine, was convinced her milk was cursed as it wouldn't turn into cheese. Only after the service of a magician named Margaret Stothard performed a counter-curse would the milk curdle properly, and Margaret's advised Isabel to carry a stick of rowan wood which she milk when she milked the cows in future to protect the milk from evil eyes. So that's pretty cool, isn't it, you know? It's well cool, I love yeah. that. Um, on a more playful side though, still a serious annoyance for their neighbours, witches were also thought to magically steal milk directly from the cows' udders. So a 14th century morality manual tells a story about a woman with an enchanted leather bag. And on her command, the bag would leap up and run to her neighbour's cattle herd, where it would secretly steal milk and bring it back to her. So, so you can imagine... Like suckling it out or something? Yeah, what? leather bag? Can you imagine yeah. seeing that actually scuttling <laughs> across a field? Or, oh, and then coming Jesus. back all fat with milk. <laughs> <laughs> But it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it now. You know. <laughs> so the idea that cheese is seductive has also been that also has a long history. So writing in the 13th century, the moralist and theologian Odo of Cheriton used the alluring smell of grilled cheese to explain adultery. So they said, cheese is toasted and placed in a trap, and when the rat smells it, it enters the trap, seizes the cheese, and is caught by the trap. So it is with all sin. Cheese is toasted when a woman is dressed up and adorned so that she entices and catches the foolish rats. Take a woman in adultery and the devil will catch you. So he's basically fucking victim blaming there. He's blaming it's all women, tempting yeah. fucking weak bloke, just as we're I mean, let's face it, we are all tempted by cheese on toast, aren't we? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Who was that one? There's some real I'm really bad with names. I read stuff, I just forget it, I'm shy. Um, but there's like some <laughs> there's some old English writer or something that said, you know, like cheese is like divine, but then he can like you, you toast it, cheese, you know, like um, cheese on toast, basically. Yeah. It becomes even insanely delicious. You know it might have been Samuel Pepys, that. I think it could be Samuel it? Pepys. Yeah. I think so. Maybe so. I'll have to look that up, but, but I think it could be. Yeah. But yeah. Um, the link between cheese and love magic doesn't stop at seduction, though. In the 14th century Germany, biting a piece of bread and cheese and throwing it over your shoulder was meant to ensure fertility in a relationship. And cheese could also cure male impotence. If a pesky witch had cursed a man's genitals, a medieval Italian cure was for the man's wife to bore a hole in a piece of cheese <laughs> and feed him the results. <laughs> oh. you, were good. you know what you wanted there, didn't you? Oh, I <laughs> You little cheese fucker. <laughs> <laughs> so given Europeans' long-standing attraction to cheese, perhaps it's no wonder that Catherine Paulson's spell is so short and why it needed no further elaboration. You know, that spell meaning basically saying you may fascinate a woman by giving her a piece of cheese. So, I think so. I think it's great. I mean, I'm fascinated by it. There is something magical about it, you know? What's I've, got funny, I've got a funny cheese story, man. Um, hopefully, list, listeners have kind of got my story, but um, obviously my wife's Thai. Uh, yeah. She's got a load of sisters. Sister number two's got a new chap, you know, he's a European bloke, you know what yeah. I mean? And he's gone back to the village to like you know see everybody. He's been back a couple of times. All right, yeah. yeah. And it, you know he's got into culture. He's at the food, which is a big thing, you know, the, the eating. And he said, "Oh, I'll bring you some food up next time." And they're all like, "Yeah, yeah, cool." Uh, so he gets low. I mean, like stupid amount of just cheese, loads and loads of different <laughs> types of 
of cheese, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, they don't hardly drink milk. They do now, you know what I mean? But they've never really been brought up with milk even, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's still a, it's a new one for him, you know what I mean? His milk. And let alone cheese. And they're like, he's brought it up at a village. And <laughs> all villages there nearly, you know what I mean? Like, here's the cheese, give it a go. Not one person wanted to eat it. They were just like, fuck that. What are you, give up, look at stick. You know, like they're picking it up and smelling it and like looking at it like, you fucking taking piss or something he, he, he got that mad because no one ate his cheese he got in his car and stormed off <laughs> he totally fell out with the entire village they're like oh you plonker we're not going to forget tool. that in a hurry exactly you think, why just cheese you idiot you know what I mean um, well, the thing is, a selection well as well for a lot of cultures I, I remember sort of people say it's because we don't like the is it the Japanese century eggs you know the yeah. eggs that they, so we, yeah. we look on them with absolute revolt because it's just yeah. it's a really old off egg right yeah but it, it's no difference between that and a mature cheese is it it's just really exactly. old off milk yeah. in a weird oh, way was that herring one or something up in um, is it Iceland or oh right yeah yeah there's some they, they bury this fucking this fish or some or this bird it's, they, they do well there's a couple of things there's one that they do which is they, they, they bury whale uh, oh no piece of shark it's a piece of shark isn't it shark meat it? that they bury for absolutely ages and then they have to treat with loads of stuff and it basically just tastes like sort of rotting bleach or something it's yeah, just sort of like yeah, you know, it yeah. absolutely foul yeah. there, there is another one with the, uh, the I know the seabirds you're thinking of I think it's actually yeah. I think it's gannets I think it's yeah, gannet exactly. chicks, and what they do is they grab these birds and sort of like, <laughs> and it's like they're chicks, so it's like the fat chicks, they actually go down the cliffs <laughs> and they put them, they kind of salt them in barrels and they press these barrels with all these things in it. And so then, and then you're just, you're basically served up with this sort of flattened, over salted dead seabird, which is just <laughs> like. <laughs> Oh, nice pancake. Yeah, wow. but like I said, the culturally, there's lots of different stuff that people, you know, don't go for. But I mean, geez. It's our gift to the world, isn't it? Cheese exactly. is the best, you know. And yeah, it is well. Yeah, I'd like to say people go, "Oh, it's the French with the best cheese. They're the best ones." Nah, mate. It's the English with the cheese. I don't want to sound yeah. all Brexit, but it's our yeah, cheese yeah. is the best of the cheeses. I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> convinced of this. <laughs> the best in the world. The best of the cheeses. <laughs> God, on cheese, I want cheese so much. <laughs> But once again, it's getting late at Kraken Cove, you know, Arcade. God, it's that time already. It's that time already, I'm afraid, you Wowzers. know. But you see, we're talking about magic and witchcraft and stuff. And let's, let's, let's just leave on a little a bit of a thing about magic as well. So it's been quite an important sort of like a, a time in magic. Because magicians mark 100 years of sewing people in half. Right? <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, I hope you got an origin story. It always like goes to one magician, doesn't it? Who's kind of like created it or something. Go well, on. let's see if we can find out. Let's see. So, this is Reuters have been sort of a, This is one of the Reuters news agencies. So, it's a. He came, he soared, he conquered. 100 years ago on Sunday, illusionist P.T. Selbit put a woman in a box on the stage of London's Finsbury Park Empire and sod right through the wood creating a magical classic. Now, 100 years on, magicians from around the world will be getting together online this weekend to celebrate the centenary of that landmark performance. This took off and became the most influential and the most famous illusion, in my opinion, that ever has been, said magician yeah. and historian Mike Cadney, who's writing a book on the illusion. So, you know, I've, I've seen it, I've sort of seen it done on a stage already, I've seen that done. We've, we've all seen it on telly, haven't we? Yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's one of the best illusions, because it's, sim yeah. it's simple. He's like a there's an air of peril, isn't there? You know what I mean? Think, oh my yeah, God! Yeah. If he sli wouldn't slip with that saw, but it's the yeah. only, a lot of people do say as well. Is one thing is with magicians, it's actually the magician's assistant. Sometimes yeah, does the most, all the work. Does all the work. They're the most skilled yeah. individual because they have, have to have these little nuances. They have to know where to move. They have to keep incredibly fit to contort their bodies into impossible shapes to avoid yeah. swords, saws, all sorts of stuff, don't they? You know? Oh, absolutely. So, uh, in the original version, the saw went through, the box was opened, and the person emerged un unharmed. 
down the years, magicians have developed refinements with the two halves being pulled apart sometimes. You know, I've seen that on telly yeah. too, you know. So celebrity magician David Copperfield came up with his own version, The Death Saw. I where he saw, yeah, yeah, and it, where he was, he was, he was tied down to a platform as a giant rotary blade sliced him in two. And sometimes he actually got injured. Did David Copperfield? He actually admitted it. It was so dangerous. He says, "I got a few, I got cut a few times by the blade because the blade was a little bit off, and the stages are different with every theatre you have." So this thing is whirring, and it is a genuine saw, and it's nearly had him a couple of... Can you imagine actually oh. seeing David Copperville literally sawn in half? Oh, just geez. bits of shit everywhere, blood and <laughs> arms and legs. And think, oh, God, how's he going to get out of this one? This is good. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> I quite like it. He's, he's probably my worst. He's done some good tricks, but he is such a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> So, but the guests for this sort of the magic circles sort of based organisation do this live, live streamed event on Facebook, and the guests will include Debbie McGee, the wife of oh. the late British TV magician Paul Daniels, who will be <laughs> described the many times she survived the procedure. So, of course, uh, she's been sawn. She she's been sawn in, in half more times than you've had at dinners, our kid. I mean, she yeah, knows she, it. You know what I mean? But she's that and those uh, supposedly interesting photographs that I won't go into. Oh, is there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely not fucking saying it on this man I'll, I'll be yeah. clinking within three hours remind me after yeah, that's, that's going to be a bit of a weird google search isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that not a lot <laughs> <laughs> well he cut his he cut his hand didn't he before he cut it oh Paul oh, he was in shed doing something and he fucked all his hand up on a saw did yeah. he? Oh, but doing a bit of DIY, no? Yeah. Well, that that might because he, he was. I mean, I didn't like the man very much, to be honest. He's a bit kind of. I don't know something about him. Was a bit creepy. Yeah, but a bit um, but. <laughs> but his close-up handwork. You know, he used to do like little sort of like a yeah. sleight of hand stuff. Yeah, they yeah, yeah he's he was hard just, work as well. Yeah, yeah. they the reckon he was one of the best on the planet who, who ever yeah. lived doing that sort of thing. Yeah, Superbly yeah. skilled guy. So you've got to hand it to him, little Paul. He were he were, yeah. he were good and wanted. You know. Yeah, no, I love me magic. I love them all. Yeah. So anyway. I think that's that for now. We're gonna to have to call it a day, our kid. You know. Aye. So it's been a show. Happy googling, guys. By the way. Yeah. Keep an eye out for any gremlins in case we haven't got the last one. But you know, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> so just for me to say now, it's a big bye bye from Matt. And it's a bigger bye bye from Benny. Take care, guys. Cheers. See ya. Yeah. Anyway, about Debbie. Right. She just <laughs> there are three ways you may contact Kraken. Either by email at podcast at gmail.com On Twitter at Crackencove Or Instagram at Crackencovepod Ha ha!